Hope and Patience with Amelia Rope, a podcast about business, well-being and chocolate. Hello and welcome to Series 3 and our latest episode of Hope and Patience. It's an exciting time as this series I will be producing a weekly episode instead of every fortnight. Don't forget to press subscribe to be one of the first to tune in to each episode. Now most of you will probably know your sun sign, but how many of you have delved any deeper and discovered the position of the moon and planets at the time of your birth in the form of an astrological birth chart? I've had my chart done a couple of times by our guest, as astrology has fascinated me for much of my life, and I'm always open to finding out more about my purpose, character traits, both good and not so good, and other golden nuggets too. Today's guest is a real mover and shaker, an expert in the world of astrology and new era thinking. The first woman to have an astrology column in a broadsheet, The Times, she has gone on to have columns in newspapers and magazines across Europe, the Middle East, Australia and Asia, as well as TV appearances on ABC, BBC, NBC, Channel 9 and ITV. Her latest book, The Birthday Book, has just been published by Dorling Kindersley and she's in the process of developing a TV series on sacred sites. Clients have included celebrities and high-profile business people. So time to introduce our guest, the celebrated astrologer, author and lecturer, Shelley Von Strunkel, founder of Shelley Von Strunkel. Hello and welcome to H&P Shelley. <laughs> Hello, thank you. Gosh, it makes it sound like I've been really busy. Um, <laughs> I I guess I have. It's it's only when someone talks about the stuff I've done, I realize that there's been the odd magazine here and the odd talk there. Astrology is one of the few things in media that's about the person. It's not about some disaster over there or somebody who's made a lot of money or some deteriorating romance. It's about the person. And I think it's one of the reasons it's so appealing in media. You know, no, I have a little rendezvous with all my readers in various parts of the world. Yes, you do. It's a very intimate little rendezvous that you you pop into our lives on a monthly basis or a daily basis or a weekly basis. So, Shelley, I'm going to take you back because I know that the listeners and myself would love to hear your sort of backstory. So where did it all begin, Shelley? I mean, when did you first start to explore astrology and what path or paths took you to the time when you had your first column published in Mirabella magazine? Well, this shows God has a sense of humor because I literally was born in Hollywood. Growing up in Los Angeles, everything was possible. I mean, if you live in any other part of the world, it's hard to understand being in a city where everybody came from someplace else. I mean, there, there is no indigenous population there. There was no Indian tribe. So everyone came there. So everyone had the can-do attitude. So I grew up around that. And my father had come from one place and was vice president of Lockheed, which was a big airplane company. And my mother actually worked with Lockheed and then later worked with Disney, like studios. So it was around and everyone sensed a possibility. And initially, I actually worked in retail. I got a job, a Christmas job in one of the big department stores because I'm so shy and withdrawn, sold more than anyone else in the entire store my first day there. 
And at the end of the day, the general manager came up and said, are you interested in retailing, little girl? (laughs) So I was put in the training program of Federated Department Stores, which was a big deal. And so I learned how to be a buyer. Now, what does that have to do with astrology? Well, a lot. Because while I was studying astrology, because it was fascinating, I also realized that if you wanted to sell things, and this sounds obvious, but it isn't to many people, you have to provide them with something they want to buy. And that meant, as I learned to do astrology with private clients, but write, I had to write in a way that it made sense to the reader, not what I wanted to tell them. Because basically flogging frocks and getting ideas out to people is kind of the same. So it taught me early on in being in retail, which was fascinating but boring. And I mean, I really, I, I, I understand why people can be enthusiasts. But, you know, another winter, summer, fall, another winter, summer, fall, another set of collections. It's like, you guys enjoy that. I'm out of here. Uh, and it was only then when I got bored with it, I realized I could actually do astrology for a living. Now, the funny thing about that is because I've been in retail, a new business. And I was in Hollywood and had a lot of friends who were in the business, show business. I had a lot of clients from show business initially. And I was able to be very helpful to them because I knew business. And so my my name got passed around in the nicest possible way (laughs) to people (laughs) in Hollywood and then in New York and then in London. Before I even started writing columns, I had a worldwide clientele but all of the effectiveness was based on the fact I learned that some dresses don't sell. At least they don't sell if the customer doesn't want them. So you need to talk to people about what they want to hear. So I studied astrology because it interested me. I had no idea that I would do it for a living. And it was actually part of my spiritual studies. In, when I was very, very young, I was fascinated by um, spirituality. I mean, really young, like five and six years old. So, you know, if you want to believe in past lives, I must have been involved with that stuff beforehand. And by the time I was old enough to drive, I used to go to someplace called the Vedanta Society, which is a very small temple of all places next to the Hollywood freeway, freeways being motorways in, in Hollywood. And I would go there and... It was a fascinating place because it was studied by an Indian teacher, but they had drawn a lot of the major intellects, including people who wrote for movies, including Christopher Isherwood, who, of course, wrote numerous books and movies, Aldous Huxley, Gerald Hurd. So I was able to study spirituality and explore with writings by wonderful people. But I still, there was no astrology in my life. It wasn't part of it. So we get to like the late 20s. Mm-hmm. And that's when astrology and I had our rendezvous. And it was through a teacher who came from a spiritual teacher who I know. And she was doing an astrology class and said, why don't you come? Well, I did. And I just took to it. So was there much stigma? I mean, we need to get you up to the when you published your first column. But just quickly, was there stigma in Hollywood about studying astrology i mean are they your is it much more open-minded than over here there wasn't at all at the time for two reasons one there was a, an astrology column in the los angeles times which still exists in the states there aren't national newspapers they're, they're regional but very good and the astrologer was someone called carol writer 
a male Carol Reuter, mm-hmm. who had been a lawyer trained at Harvard, who thought, oh, that's astrology rubbish. I'll just prove it. And he studied it and thought, oh, it works. <laughs> and he became uh, an astrologer, moved to L.A. and became the Hollywood astrologer. I mean, all of the movie stars and the heads of studios went to him, including an unknown guy called Ronald Reagan. Oh, wow. <laughs> Ronald Reagan's astrologer. And so the astrology I read as a kid in the newspaper was written by someone who was legally trained and knew proper astrology. And also because this guy contributed a lot to the lives of people who ran basically the town, there was no kind of laughter about it. It was very much appreciated. And I mean, and Carol Reiter, as as a gentleman, always wore a suit. So it was very, very kind of part of the mainstream when I grew up. And similarly, spirituality, I mean, studying that because people were fascinated with that. Again, remembering this is a culture where everyone was first generation. So there was no tradition to laugh at anything. Of course. Yeah, and it's kind of hard to believe if you grow up in a a country like the UK or even in the eastern states where there are layers and layers and layers. So there was really this sense of if you're into it, go for it. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why show business has worked so well there because there there was no one waiting around to laugh at you. That's that must have been so refreshing, you know, that it, everything is new, open-minded, a bit like sort of sponge absorbing new well, things. It was just it was okay to be enthusiastic. However, when I started going to New York and then coming to London, I realized there was a certain attitude. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so back, how did you get to to write the first column, Shelley, which then sort of propelled you on to your lucky break? Well, uh, there weren't many astrology columns in magazines in the States, but there was one in a magazine called Town and Country, which is rather like Harper's and Queen um, Mm -hmm. here. And someone called Patrick Walker wrote it. And the marketer in me analyzed how he wrote it. And and I thought, oh, I see. He writes in a different way for each sign. So that you write differently for an Aries who's being impatient because things aren't happening the, the way they want, as opposed to a Taurus who's, why do they want me to change again? To Gemini who's, oh, I have so much to tell you, and et cetera, et cetera. Each sign has a different voice, and I realized that, and I studied it. And in the meantime, I realized while astrology was cool in, in L.A., it wasn't cool in the rest of the world. And I thought, well, I can't be doing with this. Uh, and if I have a marketing background, I'll use my marketing background to change that. Literally, that's what was my thinking. So through a friend of mine who was in, still is in journalism, I met the woman who was the editor of Mirabella magazine, who was interested in astrology. Someone called Amy Gross, who went on to start a small unknown magazine called Oprah. And she was fascinated with astrology, and I told her what I've just told you. I said, I think I've got the voice that Patrick Walker does. And she said, well, if you know how to do it, do it for us. Write, write me a sample. And so I did. And she said, you're on. First column ever appeared in Mirabella in June of 1991. Within three days, we got a call from Murdoch, which Murdoch Corporation Publishers, which owned Mirabella, but also owned other publications, as we know. They, Patrick Walker had wanted to retire and was looking for a replacement. And not surprisingly, my writing seemed a lot like his because I'd been studying it. <laughs> <laughs> Ready to take on the role. A, medium, a meeting was arranged. The first Mirabella was in July. 
the meeting between Patrick and me was arranged for London in August. And I'd figured out his chart from his writing, which I think also impressed him. And so we had this, this meeting. I didn't realize it was a job interview. So at the end of it, he walked over to the phone and said, I found her. Wow. Yeah, and that was Evening Standard, except mm -hmm. it was also worldwide. And so I literally didn't know there was a her to be found. Um, it's probably just as well, because if I'd known I was like, you know, a job interview, I'd been like, oh my God. Um, but it wasn't, I was just nattering away. Uh, <laughs> and that's how I found myself in print. And since then, I think the tone I have, I mean, I, I write in the way I speak. It's pretty uncomplicated, forthright, American, a little bit. And I think that's part of what's been the difference. But the other thing is what I learned from reading Patrick Walker. And that is that each star sign really does have its own take on life. It has its own goals and its own obstacles. And often they're very surprised when they discover that other people think a different way. And Shelley, with the COVID world that we're living in still at the moment, has that affected the business side of things at all? Have you found that more people are coming online to have their individual birth charts done? Or are you writing about different things as a result of, of the pandemic at all? Yes and no. The tone in which I write is very different in that it's important for people to be aware of their inner resources, which are less of a given because of the, how do I put it, the relentlessness of the news. Mm. And I think someday when people are listening to this podcast, when the pandemic is history, and it will be at a certain point, they'll remember how obsessed people were about that and nothing else and how we lost track of ourselves. So now I think it's even more important that people have the resources to go within. But also, let me just say, with private clients, I'm, I, I am unable to take on new clients. I only see people by referral. However, on my website, people can order the, their chart, their individual chart, which is typed out, printed out, and sent either by email or actually packed as a chart. And it's about 30 pages. And very, very insightful and very useful. So everybody can have a session with me, even though they can't have one with me, by going to the website and ordering their chart. I mean, I, I what I love about them is the way that they are, they're upfront. They're, I mean, I was very lucky to have to have you doing them, but, um, you know, the, it's very direct. There's no sort of fluff. It's not really a predictive tool. It's more, I saw it as a working tool to sort of fine tune areas of my personality that you know I just remember you talking about Mars and fighting for causes and stuff like that and it's resonated over the years but um yeah I mean a fantastic tool so do you notice that more people are going for that with with this self-awareness are people thinking I'm actually going to have my birth chart done and you know explore more well, yeah and I think part of it is I mean given the effect of the pandemic on people's self-awareness and questions they have. I think a lot of people are going, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and looking at other things. And because I've been doing for media, because of course, often people have questions about exactly that. There's a, a connecting up and then you know, my new website is coming on. And the fun thing is I'm in a number of publications worldwide. And 
it's, it's a, a slight aside, but it's fascinating because in, in the business, you're sent issues, particularly magazines you're in. And I've been in French Vogue for about 25 years. But I was I also in the very first issue of Vogue China. And so, and occasionally I post this on Instagram. Um, and so this magazine arrives, which I can't read because it's all in Chinese, but I can tell my page for two reasons. There are 12 boxes and there's a picture of me. Who translates for you? I don't know, because also I can't. So hopefully it still reads as you write them. <laughs> I, I know exactly. With the French, I speak French, but not well enough to write it in French. So I have an right. amazing translator in French who then sends it back to me and I read it. And I think, oh, my goodness, you just make me seem so literate in French. But it's it's fun to see it in other languages. But it's also wonderful to think of getting this empowering yet reflective way of thinking out to people because to me that's what it is there's a tendency for people to think of astrology only as in being predictive and some people and i have to say it does happen and i go out yeah so you know am i going to have a good day and it's like baby that's up to you that's not up to me <laughs> but there is this sort of notion that the astrologer is going to tell your fortune and maybe one at one point that was true. People had less free will. You know, you were born into the place you were born in, the socioeconomic setting you were born in, the gender you were born in. We can change all of that now. And with that increasing free will, astrology is an amazing tool for understanding what makes you tick, the challenges you need to focus on to overcome them because you have the possibility to do that. Most certainly. Shelley, I've always wondered if there's any particular sort of sun, moon, planet combination which you look at and you can see that that individual has got an entrepreneurial streak and perhaps see what area they could find themselves in. Are there any oh, sort of trends? I mean, of course. No, I mean, there are, how can I put it, signature setups and charts where you you know some walks in and sit down and say I see you do this you know if I don't know what they do already or occasionally you will find someone who's doing something like oh their family insisted they do law and so they're being a lawyer I said you actually don't want to do that do you say how did you know I went out I said no okay let's just then plot that for you and so it's both ways. You know, sometimes they end up doing something because they should or because, you know, their families blackmail them into that. And really, they want to be an artist. They want to be. So, but both are about, and this is, I think, the thing to emphasize. Both are about the journey. And so whether it's reading your daily stars or reading monthly stars in a magazine or looking at a chart that people can order from a website or whether it's when work with clients, in every case, it's about helping them take that next step and discover the joy that awaits them. There's, we all have a little bit of a tendency to say, I got it good now. I think I'm just going to stay this way. But it's like, you know, you're going to keep on breathing. And the sun will rise tomorrow and it will rise in a month as well. And if you just keep everything the same because it's familiar, it'll also become predictable. Whereas if you just kind of take that little step towards something new, then it'll be exciting. People don't think of astrology as being something that encourages this, but that's what I think it's meant to be these days. Again, in the past, 100 years ago, certainly 400 years ago, very few people had free will. 
you were born where you were born. You were born in the socioeconomic setting you were born in. Very few got out of that nowadays. Well, hey, I was born in Hollywood, and now here I am sitting, not just in London, but in King's Cross. So we're all on a journey. And astrology can become a pal, a friend, a guide for that journey. Shelley, what has challenged you most so far? And what do you think that you learned from that challenge? It's, it's interesting. I, w- I was going to say not to take it personally, but I kind of learned. I mean, when I always say not to take it personally, it's there's still many people who are not into astrology and are quite rude about it. And so, in fact, there's a funny story. And I don't know who the person is, so it's not like I am going to shame him. Uh, But (laughs) I was at a performance of a really old girlfriend of mine, who's quite a famous cabaret singer, sitting next to her husband, and there was a lady across the table who's obviously a fan. And the lady said, you know, they're coming for dinner tomorrow night, perhaps you'd like to come. And I actually didn't want to, but I wasn't quick enough to say, oh, I have other plans. So I said, oh, of course. And then her husband came up, and he was introduced as a doctor. I got a call the next morning from this very nice lady saying, my husband does not want you in my house. Wow. The doctor didn't want me in his home as an astrologer. So there is still a really wide range of people, some who are, you know, at a, at a party, there's a queue to talk to me, except obviously not this doctor who probably would have left the room. Um, <laughs> you know? And then there's people who like think it's a contagious disease or something. I mean, it was the funniest reaction. But it was a really good example of the breadth of people's reactions to something that takes us within. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so it's a fascinating thing. Unfortunately, I don't take any of it personally. And this is a great thing about my time in marketing. Because, you know, you choose things you think a customer will like. And then a customer walks up and goes, oh, that's the ugliest dress I've ever seen. And I well, you know, versus for courses. So we really taught me not to take things personally at all. And so I find things like that funny, but it's also just part of the journey. So Shelley, how did you gain your self-confidence and your self-belief? It was hard work. I had a, I had a dreadful childhood. And it's I, I don't pretend that it was in any way nice. I mean, my mother was a depressive, my father was an alcoholic, he died of alcoholism. And I mean, they survived my childhood, but mm-hmm. I, so I had to learn it myself. And it meant that because I'm pretty, I have a lot of initiative, I got out and learned about it. I learned what it was like to live with a depressive. I learned what it was like to live with an alcoholic. And in fact, I have since saved the lives of two people who would have died from their alcoholic behavior had I not got them into treatment. Mm-hmm. So it's taught me to totally use my own resources and that's why I take very little personally including being uninvited to dinner it's like you know whatever it didn't come naturally at all it wasn't nurtured but I am inquisitive that's why being in retailing was so interesting for the time I was in it because I had to deal with people and kind of figure out what made them tick but there's still moments when I'm doing something where I think oh my god oh if I were any place else it would be easier and then I take a deep breath and go on so I am pretty courageous, but I, <laughs> I have moments of sheer and utter anxiety. 
So if you have moments of sheer and utter anxiety, which I think most of us do, I certainly am having one of those weeks that clearly COVID life is getting to me with nightmares, which I haven't had for, for ages. What, what do you do to sort of rebalance yourself on the anxiety side? Oh, meditate. Meditate. And by the way, for anyone, and like your experience, um, I don't know because we haven't chatted, chatted recently. I do hope you keep media off. You turn off the TV, you turn off the radio. Yes, I do all that. It's just a little pocket. And I think it's making me dip a bit deeper into my resilience and work a little bit harder on the rebalancing side of things. Yes. Well, I mean, and situations of this nature are an invitation for each of us to go within and to find our inner resources. And that's that sounds kind of pompous, but it's actually true. And when you say for listeners, Shelley, who might not know about the, the aspect of going within, when you talk about going within, would you be able to just give a bit of insight into that? Well, um, let me say two things about it. First, I've meditated uh, well, since I can remember, and I've studied many ways of doing it. And one thing, uh, one point I want to make, there is no single right way to do meditation. Meditation is actually a mental state in which the brain produces um, a certain kind of brainwave called alpha rhythms, and it can be measured. And there's some people who don't like the philosophical side of meditation and just learn to produce those brainwaves, which is an interesting approach. And there are many ways of teaching it, and there is no single right way, although many Westerners will have encountered a particular teacher who says this is the only way, and that isn't true. However, simply going within in some way is useful, and it may be to meditative music, it may be by reading something, it may be by hearing chants, but when, when you sense a sense of chill, if I could put it that way, mm -hmm. Like you kind of exhale and go, oh, yeah, that's the meditative state. And however you get there, I mean, some people will do it riding horses, fishing, gardening, making bread. I mean, the amount of sourdough bread that's been made in the past year. <laughs> I know, it's been a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that kneading of the bread creates that, that brainwave. So there are many ways to achieve that. And whatever way one finds or ways is key because the effect of the meditative state is remarkable in the moment. But it actually, if you do it fairly regularly, it changes your physiology. And in fact, I've studied this a lot because, again, I teach meditation because I, I, I was aware people weren't doing it or learning about it. So I, I teach a way that blends all of the compounds but I looked into some research done by the Transcendental Meditation people. The guy who was the guru of the Beatles, Maharishi Mahashogi, has made centers all over the world. And there's a big one in the States. And they've done a lot of research. And meditators actually age at a slower rate than the general population. They age at a slower rate one year for every year they've meditated. So you will, if you've meditated for 10 years, your physiological measures will be 10 years, you know, blood pressure, short-range vision hearing. So if you meditated for 20 years, physiologically, you'll be 20 years younger. So not only is it good for the chill bit, it's also not bad for the body. No. <laughs> and it's just, it's, yeah, it's just a swell thing to do. And nowadays, there's so many resources for it in media. Um, there, there are a lot of different techniques. 
And the one that works for you is the one that you kind of are drawn back to when, you know, you're, you're not feeling chilled and going, oh, my God. And then you go, ah, and then you remember. And then eventually people just learn to do it. And it becomes appealing to do it instead of I should. But I think astrology is useful because it tells us about ourselves and gives us a sense of our place. Meditation is an amazing tool simply for well-being, but spiritual well-being too. Yeah, and we're going to um, dip back into well-being after a few more questions and our chocolate break. Shelley, do you ever do you ever have what I call that sort of inner critic, that sort of negative internal chatter at all? Which not sort of, much, no, 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 and I, undoubtedly I did when I was younger. But I think now when that occurs, I just say, "Oh, you we've met before, go away." Also, I've found that, you know, there are people who settle into that as, as a conversational mode. And that I, you know, if that happens, I just simply try to change the subject again and again. And if they go back to it, and I really hate it when, and I can't stand it when it's like, and so it becomes a challenge to get them to dwell on something they love. Yes, I have to kick myself up the backside every now and again and just think, I think you kicked me up the backside in one of my <laughs> readings. And, and so I do. I just think, right, get a grip. OK, Shelley, quick fire round. Optimist or pessimist? Oh, well, what do you think? Um, <laughs> confirmed optimist. <laughs> introvert, <laughs> introvert, extrovert, ambivert. Well, ambivert in the sense that I'm communicating with the world, but... The quiet moments are, are kind of vitamins for me. Perfectionist or non-perfectionist? Oh, perfectionist, you've never seen me line at line <laughs> cutlery drawers up. <laughs> well, that's probably a good meditative thing to do. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> Early bird or night owl? I think I know the answer to this. Yeah, exactly. Anyone who's on my Instagram knows I wake up early. I don't need a lot of sleep. I mean, people who meditate don't but I tend to wake up at about five um, and it's lovely. I enjoy it. Some people say, oh, it's so awful. I woke up so early. It's like, yeah, look at that day. Look at that dawn. And do check out Shelley's Instagram, everybody, because she does the most incredible uh, stories and posts with the moon and, you know, at these early hours and her little meditations. It's, it's, it's fantastic. OK, an exciting time because we're going to head into the chocolate break. And Shelley <laughs> has picked green and black, dark chocolate, orange with almonds. So, Shelley, why are we about to tuck in to this bar? Here's the sound effects for it. This is a, this is a very sentimental one. Uh, for two reasons. Okay, first, in L.A. when I grew up, there was something called C's Chocolate, which I actually looked up and it still exists. And Cool what chocolate, Shelley. C's, like C's thing. Okay. Yep. C's Chocolate. And um, it still exists. And I remember boxes coming, my mother being excited, and I just taste one. It was like so sweet. I was like, ah. And I never liked sweet chocolate, but then I discovered dark chocolate. Mm -mm. And mm. this particular dark chocolate, because this came to me, not the one I'm, I'm holding, I may have bought one or two or 40 cents, was actually given to me by one of the two founders of Green and Black's, Craig Samps. And so Craig came over 
and brought this. And I'd never had green and blacks before. I mean, this is a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And so I ate it, and it was sort of like, you know, they talked about, and the light came, the skies opened. This was like very different from that nasty chocolate. And I just avoided the chocolate. I mean, what what um, Craig and Josephine did for the chocolate market is incredible because, sorry, I've still got some in my mouth, Green and Black were the first organic fair trade bar and they had that incredible flavoured bar that the Maya Gold, oh my goodness, that sent one's taste buds going loop the loop because it had, I can't remember how many elements to it and I read their book, it's, it's loads of different flavors together which meant that the palate was constantly intrigued and therefore you'd eat more of it but never in huge amounts because it 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 settled on your palate but it was it just did a dance so Shelley um a little bit more work for you while I keep on eating the chocolate what are your thoughts on the words success and failure well I don't tend to think about them too much actually because mm-hmm. uh, I I view that I have a calling and if I'm able to make a living from it, that's great. And success often has to do with other people's views. And people will sometimes say, oh, my goodness, you're very successful as an astrologer. It's like, well, yes, I'm published widely. And yes, my name is known. And if that means success to you, great. But you haven't asked if I have a happy life, which I do. But there are many components of success. So I'm wary of using either of those terms and also similarly failure. When things don't work out, it means things didn't work out. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It means you just got to pick yourself up and head towards another direction. Yeah, I always find the word failure to be very harsh, but I love exploring people's different takes because each guest has a different insight and I find it all fascinating. Okay, hopping into the well-being section Shelley, how important is incorporating well-being into your day and do you manage to achieve it? I cook all my own food and I cook for when I'm eating, although if I'm making something big like a stew, I will do that. But I enjoy cooking for two reasons. When I enjoy cooking, but also because I'm communicating with people all over the world through artificial media. So although the word is getting out there, I'm not actually looking at them. I mean, I'm not actually even looking at you, am I? You know, no. we're having this wonderful chat. So cooking is such a joy. And actually, I have to say something on the side because I'm working on a, a project at one of the major hotels in the Bahamas. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And creating a menu, an astrological menu. And as I was, we were having a, a, the inevitable Zoom meeting and I was talking to the chef there and he looked like he was not paying full attention to me. And then he mentioned he was looking on my Instagram because what you didn't mention on my Instagram is I photographed the food I make. He was looking at my food because it made a huge difference to him that we were talking about cooking and I cook. And I just thought, oh, that's so cool. It really makes me so happy because I photograph it because sometimes when I make something that looks really good. So basically... I'm so conscious of communicating with people that I also kind of need to keep myself sorted and be nice to myself. And that includes meditation. It includes looking after myself. It includes using, and not just showering, but using something called Wang Sha, which is a Chinese method of massage. So each kind of thing I do is meant to kind of bring out the best in me. 
I mean, what I do is relentless pressure. I have never not done a column in 30 years. So in order to have a good time, whether one's able to go out or here, then it's a choice of making those times precious and exciting and fitting in all the bits. And someone said, well, like, do you take walks? And it's like, you know, I don't actually. And I think it's because I grew up in L.A. where nobody walks. How interesting, Shelley. They they all have cars and it's also really hot. Because L.A. is the same latitude as North Africa. The only time you're in the sun is if you're next to a swimming pool. So it isn't my habit. And then I live in town. And so I walk places. I walk to the underground or I walk to shops and that kind of thing. But I've never lived in the country and had the pleasure of the walks people take with their their hounds. Yeah, we we walked as as children, A, to keep warm because we didn't have any heating apart from a big fire in the sitting room. And also it was the thing of walking the dogs. So I suppose it's sort of ingrained in me. And it's something that if I don't walk every day, I get a little bit of cabin fever. Yes. I, well, I kind of envy that. And I'm kind of, this is my, my latest project is to do that. But as I said, it was absolutely not built into my background. It really, I'm serious, in LA, it was like, why would you walk? <laughs> you got a car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's the point? Sweating away. I truly remember driving from parking lot to parking lot, and that's what you did in LA. Um, but it's because also I sit on my bottom and write so much or dictate. I've done yoga for years, and I do what I call mini yoga which is get up and do like five minutes of something yoga-ish. 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 <laughs> what might that be, Shelley? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, you know, because the, there's a number of movements that you can do just a version of and that kind of thing. So something like Tad Asana and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Shelley, you might m- might not suffer from stress, but it seems that most do. What what triggers the stress and how it affects them physically, mentally, you know, spiritually? There have been stressful times in my life. And really the only thing I've stressed over, and I think I may not be the only person on the face of the earth who's had this experience, has been over financial ups and downs. Uh, because I'm on my own. I have no family. And when challenges arise, it can be fairly scary. And that's been the time I have really had to use my inner resources and also know that this too shall pass. And as I sit here now, that's happened. And so if it occurs again, then it will be an interesting exercise in seeing how far I've come with maintaining my cool in the face of things that used to unsettle, if not deeply upset me. That is so true. I've had, which I I think you know, through my sort of various chapters, the stress has been mainly financially based. And every time you get a slight sort of, and they become less and less, but each time you get a slight sort of repeat of it, it's incredible the, the, the growth that happens each time and you think, fine, okay, I'm going to be winging it for a month, but you know what? I trust, I believe, I'm on track and I will be okay. I think the next thing is to be able to say, I am okay now. I am okay now. Good point. Yeah. I think you've said that to me before as well. I must take <laughs> note. 
Shelley, I know you're a lover of opera, but what music makes you feel good? What what music would you recommend for our listeners to have a listen to? And also, what book would you miss if it wasn't on your bookshelf? Well, music-wise, it's funny because I love opera, but I don't, don't listen to it at home because it's so distracting. You have to be with it. And so when I'm writing, I listen to music, but I tend to listen to very early music, someone called Pachelbel, that kind of thing. Uh, and the slightly meditative music, the stuff you might hear in a, a traditional mass in a church. I, know, I love that kind of thing. When I was a kid growing up in Hollywood, of course it was rock and roll. But I kind of moved on from that because it's a bit jangly and so the meditative kind of music. And book-wise, there's one I keep returning to, which, of course, being me, it's quite philosophical. And it's part of a series of books. And they're channeled books, that is, a teacher speaking through someone called Jane Roberts. And it's the nature of personal reality. Shelley, what advice would you give to anyone who is thinking about setting up their own business? I mean, have to say, if there's something you're passionate about, do it because you're passionate about it. And then consult experts. I think that is really sound advice. And flip it around. If you didn't do it, and then in 10 years' time, look back and went, damn, I should have done that, which was a little bit why I started what I was doing. I do remember when I began writing astrology, thinking, you know, if I don't do this now, when I, in 10, 15 years' time, I will regret not having given it a go. And finally, Shelley, before we find out where to find you, where have you had to have hope and patience? Almost every day in every way. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I do something so unusual. And the funny thing is, I don't particularly hope, which implies that I don't have something with me. Rather, I tend to anticipate miracles. Hope is, I hope it'll be X. I hope it'll be like this. Another book for people who are really into it is called A Course in Miracles. And it is that. It's not about hoping. It's about expecting miracles. And so I don't hope. It's like, gosh, there's a gap there. Hmm, I wonder what miracle will appear. And patience? Waiting for the miracle to come. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Occasionally waiting for a late friend. I'm compulsively punctual. <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing more irritating when people are late. And there's nothing more irritating when people are late and they don't flag it up saying I'm 20 minutes late so that you can... No, there are people who you, you know you just bring a book when you're meeting them. That's yeah. So, Shelley, where can our listeners find you, find where they can get their birth charts done, um, and your book, catch the latest all about Shelley Von Strunkel? Shellyvonstrunkel.com. And strangely, I am the only Shelley Von Strunkel in the internet. <laughs> I wonder why that is. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And we have in it all of the potential misspellings, so I won't even spell it out. And can they get their book, your book on online with you too, Shelley? Um, actually, no, I'm not selling it. I should, shouldn't I? But it's available through all, well, the bookstores open again in bookstores. And it is so lovely. It is. I've got a copy right here beside me and it's beautifully done. And Shelley writes for each day of the year for the birthday, isn't it? And it's just beautiful. Your numbers, gifts, challenges health and well-being, goals. 
I mean, it is one of the nice things about it is that it's not about learning about astrology and it, it's not about fancy stuff. And the reason I did it is there was a new editor at Dorman Kindersley who had, she said when friends would come over, she had a book like that. And everyone would sit around reading to each other from the book. And she said, but Dorman Kindersley doesn't have one. So I want you to do it for us. <laughs> And so, it has, so it's been published. So do definitely check that out. So I would love to say a huge thank you, dear Shelley, for joining us all on the show today. You have been wonderful with the insights that you've shared with us. So thank you, thank you, thank you. It's truly a pleasure. Anyway, before I go, it's time for my recommendation, which today is a radio show and a quote also for this episode. So the radio show you can find on BBC Sounds and it was Women's Hour with Emma Barnett on the 20th of January 2021. And it's the episode with um, the amazing Clemency Burton-Hill. Clemency, to me, is one of the most inspirational women. She was or is a broadcaster on BBC Radio 3 and the US classical music station WQXR. She's an author, novelist, journalist and violinist. And just over a year ago, she suffered a brain hemorrhage during a meeting in New York City. And she has had to quite literally teach herself to speak and walk again and really just hear her story in her words. It will really move you. And the quote is actually a quote from Shelley. Each day you are learning something new and worthwhile. The challenge is spotting it. A huge thank you for finding the show. I hope you enjoyed the chat. Don't forget to subscribe to get the latest episode. And if you're enjoying the show, it would be truly fab if you could rate and review it. Or better still, share it with folk who may value a gem or two. Any book recommendations, quotes, songs can be found in the show notes and on the website too. Until the next time, however tough these times get, keep that very special inner sparkle you have shining. Hope and Patience with Amelia Rope. Join the conversation at hopeandpatience.co.uk. Find Amelia on Facebook at Hope and Patience or on Twitter and Instagram at Amelia underscore Rope.